You know, uh, I think talking to God sometimes can feel like that, where you're saying something, but there's a little insecurity, and if you wonder if it's going to where it's supposed to go, if you've ever prayed enough, sometimes you wonder, if am I talking to myself? Uh, Does he care about, and if he's hearing it, does he care about what I'm talking about? So we're going to spend the next month talking about prayer. So I want to welcome the fellas at RCMU. We're glad you're in on this. If you're in the lobby, if you didn't get a seat, I'm sorry. Uh, come earlier or go on Saturdays. So, so listen, we are going to walk through our insecurities about prayer. Now you're like, well, I'm, is everyone insecure about prayer? Nearly 99% of people are insecure about praying. Let me help you illustrate. Let me help you understand it. If I were to have you all line up and come up here on stage and pray out loud, most of you would be like in the midst of the line escaping out every exit door you could find. You'd be like, I'm not doing that. It's why anytime I'm ever anywhere and it's time for somebody to pray for, whether it's a blessing or food, whatever, it's, hey, David, he's the pastor, have him pray. So that's my life. Listen, most of us are insecure about praying. You may privately say, well, I'll talk to God, but it's what we do publicly that kind of reveals what we're actually insecure about. And so we're going to walk through what prayer is and isn't, uh, what we should be doing regarding this conversation with God. Let me break this out a little bit. Today we'll talk about you know, why we don't pray, kind of the, the, the bare nuts and bolts about this. But then we're going to get deeper and talk about the, the need to surrender, the need to be completely dependent on God. But I, I do want to address a question. So the last week of this series, we're going to go straight at the center of the bullseye, which most of us ask, uh, what about when God doesn't answer prayers? Like, what about when you pray, nothing happens, or the opposite happens, and you thought it was a good idea, it was good, it was noble, it was right, and it didn't play out that way. We're going to talk about that, because those are the questions that you and I really have. So, if you have access to the Bible, digitally or in paper form, or you're just going to look on the TVs and screens, uh, go to Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to go there eventually. Let me bring you back, though. When I was in middle school and in high school, I lived in the same town as my grandparents. And my grandparents would often, well I shouldn't say often, occasionally update their technology at home. One day they went from VCR to DVD player. You remember that? Some of you have not done that yet. You ought to. It's, 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 yeah. Some of you are now abandoning the DVD player for the whole digital age. You're like, yay, this is awesome. But there was an era where while I was in town my grandparents would call me. I, I was the geek squad for them. And so they would call me up and like, David, hey, can you come over? Our VCR or our DVD player, sometimes the TV wasn't working. So I would go over and, you know, I would, I would jump right into it. It's got to be something complicated. Let's get the remote out and start doing things. And what I noticed was that uh, I found the problem pretty quick. They uh, just didn't have it turned on. Uh, now, I, my grandma and grandpa are probably going to be watching this. I love you, grandma and grandpa. I love you so much. But I will never forget the thoughts I had in my head that were not very honoring, but going, just turn the VCR on, and it'll work. And if you turn the VCR and the TV on at the same time, it works really well. You get to see what you wanted to see. And I was like, this is never going to happen to me. Two weeks ago, (laughs) two weeks ago, I was about to do a, a presentation in front of a couple or some Fountain Spring leaders, and and 
And so there's this whole sound system set up. I was going to show this video. And so I got there and I was setting everything up. Now, it was about 20, 15, 20 minutes before it was starting. And I couldn't get any sound to happen. I could see the video. It was working. So I've got this pressure. People are going to be showing up. And I really want them to see this video. And so the guy that had set up, I, I texted him. Because I knew this was going to be some complicated answer. I texted him. I was like, hey, man. He's on staff. Hey, hey man, um, I can't get any sound. And I gotta be, I'm going to be straight up with you. I was certain he had done something wrong. So he doesn't text me back because he wants to talk. I don't want to talk, but he, talk, he calls. And I was like, hey, and you could hear in his voice, he understands who he's talking to. He knows that technically I'm his boss. But in his mind, he's like, are you an idiot? <laughs> You've had these conversations with your boss, too. So in this very honoring, nice way, hey, David, did, <clears throat> did you make sure the speakers are turned on? And, and he was with that voice of, maybe it's his fault. But he's, uh, I was like, well, yeah, man, of course they're on. I, I looked at the speakers and the light was on. I was like, of course, I'm not stupid. The lights, it's on, it's, it's working. He's like, yeah, but did you turn the subwoofer on? Well, yeah. Oh, there's a subwoofer. <laughs> Everything probably runs through. Oh. And it was one of those moments that I said I never would have that happen, and now I have to confess it to you. So now you know I'm owning this. Grandma and Grandpa, it's not just your fault. It, we all do it. Now, most of us, if you're really open and honest, have done something that stupid, where you went to go try to get something to work, and it wasn't plugged in or wasn't turned on right. The batteries were run down, and power became necessary. You should watch people in an airport trying to find a place to plug in their phone. War is going to break out someday in airports because it's amazing. It, for some reason, airports put the limited amount of plug-ins, so you battle and fight. I'm just telling you, it's, it's amazing when you don't have power what you're willing to do to get power. Now, let's have a bit more of a serious conversation. What about the everyday necessity of power that you need to function? Just that power of when you're walking through life and you're like, I need, I need some power here. I don't feel power, but I need some. I need, I need access to God's power. Well, you know that we're going to talk about that's prayer. That's having a conversation with God. You need power from God. So there's verses in the Bible that help you and I get encouraged by needing power and wanting it from God. So watch this. It's Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I mean, these are verses that some people have this up in their homes. It's framed up, right? You've got this etched somewhere, tattooed somewhere. Be mighty in the Lord. It is power. His power is awesome. Rest in his power. Have his power. Be mighty. Be courageous. See, in the Bible, it says this over and over and over. If you read from the Old Testament all the way in the New part, New Testament, you're going to read lots of verses that say, be courageous. Be powerful. Be mighty. And you are, yeah. And then Monday comes. You're like, I don't feel it. You know, you're like, you, you get up and you go to work and you realize that you didn't do something you were supposed to do. And, and, and you got a major problem on your hands. And you know what? You don't feel that mightiness, that power when your kids make poor choices. And you're like, I don't feel mighty right now. When you go to a doctor's office, get news that you never thought would be on your medical report. You don't leave that office going, yay, okay, be strong in the Lord, mighty in power. 
See, it seems unrealistic. I mean, I know it sounds good and it makes for a great picture in your house, but the idea of being mighty in God's power, when you hit real life, it kind of dissipates and you don't feel it. I can tell you what's cool about the Bible. It doesn't leave us hanging. It doesn't say, be mighty in power. Good luck. Hope goes well. It says this. In fact, anytime you read it, you'll read, be mighty in God's power, and here's what God's going to do. In fact, if you read this, when Joshua, if you don't know about Joshua, Joshua took over the reins from Moses. Most of us know who Moses is. He's got a movie about him. And so he has this awesome job, helps deliver tons and tons of people out of slavery. Well, the job gets handed over to Joshua, and the Bible says, God's speaking to Joshua, Joshua, be strong and courageous, but he's not saying, like, optimistic, all on your own, hope it goes well, Joshua. Be strong and courageous, because here's what I'm going to do. See, other places in the Bible, Isaiah, Haggai, are supposed to communicate, be strong, be courageous, have power, because here's what God is going to do. Even a lot of Paul's letters, Paul in the New Testament, writing to different churches, telling the churches, be strong, be courageous, because here is what God is going to do. And most of us think that we're supposed to be, now we know in Bible school and Sunday school and church, we're not supposed to admit this, but most of us are trying to be strong and courageous and powerful on our own. And I can illustrate this by just pressing into you, how often do you ask God for power to function through the day? And most of us would say, occasionally, when I'm desperate, you need power. And I would, in fact, tell you that you are most vulnerable when you think you can be strong enough to do things on your own. You're most vulnerable to the devil. The devil's going to try to get you because at, at the moments that you don't think you need God's power or you're not resourcing God's power, you are so vulnerable. And so you not only need power. Let me illustrate and tell you why you need power. The Bible tells you. Just keep reading here. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. That's why you need power. For our struggle, our battle, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our battles, our struggles are not against flesh and blood. So let, let me help. You, you need to understand this. Because right now I'm about to really help some of you in your marriage. This is free advice. You do not have to pay me. Just listen. Some of you right now are fighting. You don't think anybody knows, but it's obvious. You haven't talked to each other. You look pretty awkward coming in, and you're not talking to each other. You're mad at each other, and you're not talking. Let, let, me, let me help you. You think your enemy is your spouse. Now, stop. In your head, you're like, but he, he is. No, no, no. Listen, open, open minds. Listen, listen. You're not fighting against flesh and blood. The decisions that we make that are poor decisions are rooted in temptation that somebody bit and went and chased something they shouldn't have chased, said something they shouldn't have said, did something they shouldn't have done. So you may think that your marital issues are because of him or her, but the Bible's clear that our battles, our struggles, are spiritual struggles. Some of you right now are worried about your kids. They're not going the direction that you hoped they would go. And so you're, you're talking to God occasionally, and you're wondering what's gonna happen. Listen, listen, their battles are not physical, they are spiritual. For those of you in your job who are just struggling with relationships, or you're at school and you think you don't belong, and there's all this stuff going on, your battles are spiritual. The Bible is crystal clear. Your battles are spiritual. And it's interesting that you and I do not engage our battles spiritually very often. 
So the Bible says this. You have spiritual battles, so you need spiritual power. So I have a question for you. How have you been accessing the power of God lately? What has been your routine, your method, your default mechanism? You need spiritual power to deal with spiritual battles. What have you been doing? Some of you are going, just screaming, screaming at everybody in my house. Just screaming. Anyone who walks in, anybody, the mailman, scream at them. Scream at everybody. Some of that's how you're dealing with it. You're just mad, and so you're, you're taking it out on everybody around you. Some of you are completely shut down. You're not screaming. You're saying nothing. You have shut down. Some of you are turning to substances and, and numbing the pain, and you've got battles going on, and you are not fighting with spiritual power. You're not accessing the power of God. If you have any battle whatsoever in your life right now, or ever, the only appropriate, successful way to fight that battle is through spiritual power. And here's what the Bible unfolds for us, is you and I are supposed to get the power from God because we're fighting spiritual battles. Watch this, if you jump down in the same portion, down to verse 18, here's what it says to do to access the power. Now here's what I'm gonna do, we're gonna play a game right now. We need to play a game right now. I'm gonna say a word, the word pray or prayer. I want you to count how many times I say it. Not out loud, please, you'll distract me. Ephesians 6, 18, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now, I'd say over and over and over, you heard that quite a bit, the word pray, prayer. Here's what you've got to understand. The main access point to the power of God is prayer. Some of you are like, but I don't know what prayer really is. Is it a poem I'm supposed to be reciting? Does God only hear rhyming words? No. You don't have to rhyme. You don't have to be eloquent. I advise you not to lie to him because it doesn't matter if you lie or not. He knows the truth. But let me help you understand what prayer is is and i walk back to your life as a kid when you begin to pray as a kid uh, the bible actually references this quite a bit we're supposed to have childlike faith do you remember the prayers you had as a kid you may not i remember mine mine were deep and theological and i was a preacher's kid so when i saw a bike i wanted i prayed that i'd have that bike that's deep that's deep i would i would pray that that my sister would be taken away Prayed that all the time. I would pray for a girlfriend frequently. I remember uh, one of the things our school did is, is we, we weren't allowed to have dances, so we had skating parties. I don't know if any of you grew up doing that. We had skating parties. And so a part of every skating party, there was a couple's skate. Yeah, that's the reason we all went to them. Now, now here's what happened. There's this particular ice or, or roller skating moment where Everyone's kind of coupling up. It's time for that song. <clears throat> I noticed that I was struggling, finding a partner for that. So I did what any preacher's kid would do. I prayed, God, help me, help me have a, a girl to skate with. And he answered that prayer. The teacher came up to me and said, <laughs> David, would you like to skate? And I'm like, it's not funny. It's not funny at all. Never been so embarrassed in my entire life. It's amazing as kids what we pray for. 
God, help me with this test. I didn't study, but I need your help. But, but then you and I, we grow up, don't we? We get smarter, wiser, more mature, and we start praying that our kids will leave the house as soon as possible. Or, or, or a classic prayer that we do as adults, and don't take this too far, so you're not gonna like what I'm about to say. We, we are, the, the prayer that we pray, hey, hey God, get me from point A to point B safely. And in fact, as adults, I think a good majority of our prayers are all about safety. Isn't it interesting how things change? Now, I'm not belittling. I think you should ask God to watch over you as you travel. But listen, if that is the pinnacle of your prayers, if that's the biggest thing you're asking of God, you're missing out on the power of God. If the biggest thing is God, help us get to Sioux Falls safely, he's like, ask me for bigger. And as adults, oftentimes we're so afraid of getting outside of safe, we don't ask God for big things. Meanwhile, in the Bible, in God's history, there's people who said, hey, God, will you uh, stop the sun? Sure, no problem. Boom. Stops the sun. If you want to know what God's capable of doing, he's capable of doing things that you can't even imagine. The Bible tells us you can't even imagine what he has the capacity to do. Have you been praying that way? And as kids, we were like, hey, God, give me a new bike and a girlfriend and help me pass the test as adults. Hey, keep me safe. But, but as adults, we also get in this idea that the prayers need to be eloquent, artistic, poetic, beautiful. And in fact, they need to have super long words. The longer the words, the happier God is. And so here's for your viewing pleasure. We got a compilation of all the wonderful movie prayers that have messed all of us up on what prayer is and isn't so. So take a look and enjoy a compilation. Man, come on, said Grace and many a dinner table. Hello, God. Hey, old man, you home tonight? Dear tiny infant Jesus. This is Evan. Please look down and recognize us, poor sinner. We offer our prayers as best we can. We thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of dominoes, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. And bless that we'll have a good night's sleep. I'm on my knees asking. I need a miracle. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray. Give us this day our daily pizza. Get me back to my wife and kids. I just want to see my daughters again. That someone will adopt us soon and have a pet unicorn. To love thee more dearly I love you, Lord, I love you, but I'm mad at you. To see thee more clearly. It's time for a showdown! You and me! I don't want to do this anymore. To follow thee more nearly. I want to live again. Please help me change the world. You use me as your instrument. I, I am sorry I've never spoken directly to you before. I'm sorry that I turned my back on you. Forgive us. Pass. Forgive us for trespassing. I surrender to your will. Day by day. By day. Amen. 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 When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus or whoever you want. I think we get messed up about what prayer is. And so we watch it on the movies, and we're like, yeah, that's not what it is. But there are many of us who do not know what prayer is, and I'll simply sum it up, is there is 
power in this world. It's in the spiritual world, and you access that through prayer. And it's, prayer is simply, listen, a conversation with God. It, it, you don't have to have the perfect words to say. The Bible's clear in that. Sometimes you don't know what to pray. And you just have this interesting conversation where you say nothing. God doesn't say a lot, but a conversation happens. One of my favorite quotes about prayer, Ian Bounds, only God could move mountains, but faith and prayer can move God. You must understand as we go into this prayer series that you are not disqualified from prayer, nor do you have to earn some sort of qualification to get to talk to God. God has made himself accessible to everybody to speak about, speak to. Now you've got to ask yourself, who are you getting power from to function in life? And many of us have not been praying. So there's a couple reasons I think I know why you and I don't pray. Here's the first one. We often don't pray because we're overconfident. We're overconfident. That's why many of us, if you could see it from my vantage point, oftentimes we'll encounter people who just start dating and they don't feel like they really need God a whole lot. They're, they're in love. They don't really have any problems. They never argue, they say. And like, hey, we're good. This is awesome. We're not going to involve God right now. Then they go through premarital counseling. Like, hey, everything is great. We're never going to fight. <laughs> and and then, then they get married in that first year, that honeymoon phase. Like, yeah, that's awesome, blah, blah, blah. And then they begin to walk and then they encounter something that puts them at odds. And then they begin to try to figure it out themselves. They think that under their own power, their own ability, their own strength, their knowledge, that they can walk this out. And eventually they, as they would say, become two different people. And then they say, God, we need you now. Oftentimes, our kids will go in a direction, and one kid will go what we would call the right direction, and, and, and things are great, and we don't really concern ourselves about them, pray for them, engage them in that way, but then one kid doesn't go the right direction, and oh, we fall on our knees, and we pray for them. So I got a little bit of a soapbox right now. Some of us have the blessing, the privilege, the reward to have children in our homes. Some of you are foster parents. Some of you have kids that you've adopted that, that were born to you, kids that, that were given to you, some of your grandparents, some of you have people in your home that are children. Listen, if you're not praying with them, you are robbing them of an understanding of the power of God. And I know you're like, oh, that hurt. I know it does. But do not rob your children of an understanding that God holds the power. Do not let your insecurities about prayer, keep you from engaging God with your children. You're thinking, you don't have to some eloquent prayer like Almighty Father. No, no, you should be like, hey, God, with your kids. God, watch over us tonight as we go to sleep. Amen. And your kids will learn that it is God that is our protector, our comforter, our provider. See, we don't pray at a meal because if we're gonna die if we don't pray. <laughs> we pray at a meal to acknowledge who provided that meal. May you never enter a meal or a moment in life where you don't recognize that God is our provider. Listen, parents, grandparents, guardians, whoever you are, do not rob people of understanding the power of God. And let me talk to you married folk, even you dating people. If you guys aren't praying together, you're risking something. In fact, there are statistics out, which I'm not saying this needs to be your motivation to pray, but they say that a couple who prays together once a day, every day, 99% of those marriages work. There's something about the power of God when you invite the power of God into your life. 
But some of us are so overconfident. That's why you don't wait until there's a problem. And when the problem arises, okay, now we need you, God. What about before that? That's why in church, most of us don't say, hey, will you pray for me? Oh, no, what's going on? Nothing. I just want you to, I want the power of God in my life. But it's interesting, in church, we don't ask for prayer until we're desperate, until cancer enters, enters the conversation, or until rebellion enters the conversation, or until Friday afternoon we learned we didn't have a job. Oh, then now we're going to fall to our knees. It's because we live in an overconfident society where we think we got it, we got it. And overconfidence will lead you away from God's power. Let me give you an illustration. In 1923, a long time ago, in 1923, there was a routine training exercise done by the Navy on the California coast. Seven ships led by the USS Delphi began to do this training exercise. Again, not war, not just a training exercise. And they began to do this whole training exercise. Seven ships following each other, and they encountered a major fog. The leader of this, Lieutenant Commander Donald T. Hunter, was a very decisive person. In fact, he was notoriously known for just making decisions, just boom and and sticking with them. The problem is the fog settled in, and this is 1923. They weren't certain what to do, and he felt like he was so confident in knowing where to go and what to do, he said, press forward. Now, they didn't know where they were going. He was confident they did. I'll, I'll read to you what happened. Traveling at 20 knots, suddenly the USS Delphi smashed broadside into the rocky shoreline. The force of the massive collision of welded steel and jagged rock split the whole of the USS Delphi in half. One by one, the other destroyers followed the Delphi's lead and smashed into the rocks. 22 naval men died. The accident resulted in the loss of all seven ships. It still stands as one of the worst peacetime naval disasters in history. Because a man was overconfident. It's peacetime. They didn't have to go do anything. They could have just, hey, anchor down for a little bit. We can't see, and I'm not sure. But he didn't. And many of us right now, that's how we live our life. Oh, I know what to do. I've done this before. I know exactly what's going to happen. I've seen this play out before, and we just go forward. We don't talk to God about it. We just go forward. I know how to have kids and raise kids and teach kids, and we don't involve God. I know how to have a job, but we don't involve God. I know how to be married, We don't involve God. I know how to be a student, but we don't involve God. We're so confident. Statistics, I love statistics. You know this. And for those of you who have ever had a teacher or a professor, you'll love this. 94% of college professors believe they have above average teaching skills. I don't think that's true. Uh, but watch this, there's more. Uh, in the 1950s, in the 1950s, they, they pulled high school students. 12% of high school seniors believed that they were a very important person. In other words, elite. In the 1990s, they took the same poll and asked teen- teenage high schoolers at that moment, 80% felt that they were elite, a very important person. And you're like, well, we're supposed to teach kids that they're super important, but listen, we're air on the other side, where we're, we have a tendency to, to make them overconfident. <laughs> Watch American Idol at the beginning. If you ever watched American Idol, I'm not gonna show you a clip because we'll just lose it and get distracted, but if you never watched American Idol, it's basically trying out to be an idol in America, hence the name of it, and so they, what the whole 
money maker in this is the first part, the tryouts, where they literally on purpose put people in front of national television, millions of people, and say, hey, watch these overconfident people. No one was true with them. Here we go. See, we're raising up a generation of overconfident people. That's why the 20-somethings are trying to buy the houses of their parents who are 60-somethings. We're trying to get what their parents have. We're overconfident, overconfident, and, and are becoming a, a messed up group of people. Some of the reasons you're not praying is simply you're overconfident. You think you got it. Listen, you're wrong. There is not a single responsibility in life that you don't need God involved on. Not a single one. Whether you think your job is big or small or your roles are big or small, you need God. Start talking to him. And we've gone to a point, I don't want to miss this, if prayer for you is a last resort, it reveals what you believe about God. Is your theology, your study of God, an understanding of God, do you think he is simply just only that, a rescuer? He's bigger and better than that. Yes, he'll rescue you. Yes, he saves us from our sins. But don't just push him into this moment like where we treat superheroes. Hey, sweep in when I need you. And then if you could go when I don't. Some of us aren't praying because we're overconfident. Another one, last one, uh, we often don't pray because we're busy. You're like, David, I can't help being busy. It's not my fault. Listen, I read an article just this past week. Listen, we have become a nation who doesn't take vacation. And in fact, we feel bad and get sheepish when we're to talk to people. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go take a, a break for a week on vacation. And someone's like, oh, that must be. Nice. You know, over $50 billion a year in the United States is donated back to companies. You know what it is? Unused vacation time. And it's the vacation time that you don't use that you lose over $50 billion. The average American gives $500 a year back to their employer. Some of you hate your employer. It doesn't make sense. We are busy, so busy that this article was talking about how summer vacations are going away. We don't have time. We can't afford to do that. And it's not actually an affordability of, of cash. It's time. We don't think we have time. Now you think, okay, 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 David. So America, we're, we're so busy. I bet we're more productive. No, we are low on the list of productivity. We are so busy, and what's happened is we're so busy, we don't talk to God often enough. In fact, here, let me ask you if you've ever done this before. Don't acknowledge this out loud. When was the last time you went to God and said, God, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to sit and listen to you for about five minutes. For some of us, if we did that, it would seem like five hours because we're so busy. And some of us right now are not praying because we're overconfident, we're overbusy, and we don't have time. However, the one who has the power to walk through what you're trying to walk through is God. And you're trying to walk through this, navigate these storms, make these big leadership decisions, parent people, be in love together. You're trying to do all of this without resourcing God. Overconfidence and busyness. So I want to help you. I want to help you break out of those routines. Consider this, the Lord's Prayer. We've said it already. The Lord's Prayer. If you were to summarize the Lord's Prayer and break it up into three groups, which you can do that, there are three topics. The first part, when you begin to talk to God, there's this praise kind of a talk. 
So what if, what if in your mornings, five minutes, I'm not talking an hour, <laughs> five minutes. What if you got up in the morning and before you really did much of anything, before you brush your teeth, and I know you're like, David, come on. Before you brush your teeth, what if you were just for five minutes, wake up and say, God, thank you. I know some of you are like, I don't have anything to thank God for, David. Yeah, you do. Because across this world right now, there are people desperate and have no idea where their next meal's coming from, but you probably do. There are people who would trek miles today looking for water that's not even clean. You've got something to be grateful for. You wake up because God allows you to wake up. You've got something to tell God thank you for. You may not like all your circumstances. You may not think God is fair to you, but you have something to speak to God, to wake up and say, God, thank you. What if you, what if you started your mornings off just saying thank you, God? And then as you walk through the day, maybe around lunchtime or after lunchtime, you begin to apply more of the Lord's Prayer, the part where you ask for provision. You remember, ask for daily bread. By that point in the day, you will probably have eaten something. And you can say, God, thank you for this. Thank you for providing my needs today. I need you to continue to provide for me. And then as you trek through the rest of the day, the evening will hit. And the Lord's Prayer changes a bit. And it goes from praise to protection, provision, and then protection. The last part of your member, like, lead me away from the evil one. Keep the evil one away from me. What if before you went to bed or just earlier in the evening, you just prayed protection over you, your family, your pastor? What if you begin just to pray for the people that you know, even the ones you don't like? God, protect them. What if you and I, through the day, for five-minute increments, engaged God in a conversation? Now, I want to help you. Because some of you are like, that sounds neat. And then we'll go and forget. So on the Fountain Springs app, if you go to this week, that little button, click on that, you can fill out a form, and we will text you three times a day for the next week. We will give you promptings, one in the morning, one in the mid-afternoon, and one in the evening, saying, hey, pray praise. Pray provision. Pray protection. Some of you, you need that prompting. Uh, I need that prompting sometimes because I get busy or I get overconfident, and I need somebody to interrupt just for a split second, and most of us are addicted to our phones, so I'm going to use this and leverage it. If you don't have access to the app, you can go to the information crew and we'll figure out a way to help you get that. But listen, I want to help break you from busy and break you from overconfidence. Now, by the way, we will not text you three times a day for the rest of your life. Because that gets weird and stalker-like. But for this week, this week, we'll offer that to help you break out of this and break into this lifestyle of asking God to intervene, having a conversation all the time, throughout the day, throughout the weeks, throughout the years. God, I need you, I want you, be a part of this.